Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I've always been in search of the top 0.1% mindsets, people on the cutting edge, the margins, living incredible lives outside of the traditional system. So today we're going to talk all about startups, fundraising, VC, and it's going to be a fascinating subject. I've always been interested in this field. And with that, we have Justin Renfro, and he is a leading expert in early stage fundraising. He's senior director at WeFunder, top community round fundraising, and he's going to talk to us all about that. So Justin, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. We Pod Match is a great place. Without it, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to connect with leaders such as yourself. And um, so, tell the people how you got started, what you do, and how your company works. Yeah. So, uh, I actually started my career in a nonprofit called Kiva. Kiva facilitated five to ten thousand dollars zero percent interest loans to entrepreneurs all over the world. And I launched Kiva in the United States back in 2012 and kind of got my start in the nonprofit small business space, uh, helping entrepreneurs, you know, that were very early stage raise that like little buffer at the beginning of their, you know, kind of company life cycle. Uh, From there, I actually started my own company. Uh, I own and operate a boat charter business in San Diego called Chill Charter. Done over a million in revenue and uh, we facilitate kind of bachelor, bachelorette, birthday parties out on the water in San Diego. Very good vibes. And I rejoined my core team at Kiva when they came to WeFunder. And WeFunder is designed to democratize startup investing, uh, both for founders and investors. The key to WeFunder is that we allow investors to participate in startup with a smaller check size. So in angel investing, the the basic premise is you need to make 30 bets. And your hope is that one of those bets takes off and pays for all the other bets. Um, It's a concept called the power law. And that's what really drives venture capital is, you know, if you're interested in investing, you have to make 30 bets. Now, WeFunder Mm. allows you to make 30 bets with a minimum of a thousand, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. So typically, 
you know, with startup investing, there's a, there's a floor at 25 K. So if you're going to make 25 bets at 25 K that can get expensive very, very quickly. It's like a Guinea pig into venture capital. Whereas WeFunder allows you to kind of like make a lot of smaller bets, learn lessons and really understand kind of like, what do you look for? Cause you learn a lot when you make investments, let's lower that and democratize it. So more people can participate in startup investing. Yeah. Very interesting. It's like, um, yeah, I've always been, you know, basically, you, you know, just the, that one is going to be like thousand, you know, 10,000 X, you know, you may lose uh, the others could be like 500 X, you know, 10 X, um, you know, that's kind of how you, um, that's why I've always been interested in VC and I love how you're, um, fractionalizing everything, making it a lot easier, decreasing the risk, let, letting people get exposed to this, which was traditionally for, you know, big players. I love that. And basically, you know, the common question I get is, uh, you have a, you have a company founder, when should they take VC and angel money? And when should they not? It's a very good question. Uh, it's one that's changed a lot over the past year. In the middle of 2022, you kind of saw an explosion in a, in a bad way. Um, you know, the, the funding markets across the entire ecosystem went down to a pretty considerable level across big VC, small VC. So I think that paradigm is actually starting to shift. Um, I think that companies that make sense for venture capital have something called venture scale, which means they can grow very, very quickly. Scaling is not linear. So it's like you can mm. double, triple year over year, and mm. there's a exponential growth curve. Um, so from the lens of kind of like, what do you look for first and foremost? is you're making big bets, companies that can grow very quickly. And so I think a lot of venture capital is oriented around companies that can, that can scale and, and have exponential growth curves. That's, that's really the kind of like core premise of venture investing is being able to invest in companies that are going to grow really fast and provide that 500x, 1000x upside, um, you know, 10 years down the line. Yeah. I'm 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 personally really motivated by this new product that WeFunder is rolling out called revenue-based financing. You know, a lot of companies don't fit into this venture scale model. There's a lot of healthy businesses out in the world that have a linear growth, they're healthy, the economics are good. They shouldn't be left out of the venture venture ecosystem, but the venture ecosystem is actually more narrow than I think a lot of people recognize. Uh, so mm. WeFunder is actually creating a pathway. Normal companies, you know, take a, a granola bar manufacturer, uh, a CPG company, a brewery, where you can offer a 2x to investors and it's liquid. So it's not based on an exit. It's paid back with, uh, with revenue. So it's called revenue-based financing. So you have kind of two different options where if a company is on this venture track where they can be a billion-dollar business, I think venture makes more sense, but I, I believe that uh, there's really cool funding models and innovation and, and opportunity uh, for normal businesses that may provide a more modest return to investors, but it's liquid yeah. versus illiquid and it's paid back in four to five years versus a venture investment that's typically not illiquid until an exit. And exits are not super common. So it's it's much higher reward, but also much higher risk. So it's kind of having 
different different strokes for different folks and that you have different options for how to invest in startups. It's not just invest in billion dollar unicorns. It, it can be broadened out to, you know, cater to different investor appetites. I love that. I know some people they've heard venture capital go through like the process, you know, because there's like a ser- there's like a pre there's series A, B, you know, all the way up to IPO kind of illuminate that process for the listener. Yeah, so any company is going to grow over time and in the fundraising environment, we kind of simplify it by saying here are different stepping stones along the journey for any given company. So the first is pre-seed. That is capital that generally is coming in from the founder, their friends and family, people that they know. Then the first round of kind of like outside capital, outside capital meaning angel investors, you know, early stage funds, these are not fr- friends and family, typically come in at the seed level. Then as the company grows, they kind of move up to bigger and bigger tiers in terms of funding. Uh, and then it, at Series A, you have a Series A, B, C, D, E, all the way until IPOs. Generally, companies are starting in pre-seed and seed and then getting to like real institutional capital at Series A and beyond all the way through acquisition or exit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And um, yeah, it's it's so fascinating. It's like, especially with these hot companies, you know, a lot of VCs, they try to get in and they can't. And um, it's it's just a fascinating game. So these, so, you know, VC, I get, I think what last year was, you know, was really bad. What, what trends are you seeing in the venture capital space, you know, in terms of, uh, is it artificial intelligence? Is it blockchain? Is it, you know, metaverse, crypto? What, it, what, it, what are you seeing? Yeah, the two biggest categories in venture capital right now is artificial intelligence and climate. Those are the two mm-hmm. biggest categories that are gaining a lot of kind of interest and demand from institutional investors. Um, so, you know, obviously we've all started to see what AI is doing and, and, and what it could be capable of. So I think that there's a lot of startup activity in artificial intelligence right now. And, and the climate stuff is... Uh, also very well known, kind of widely understood that climate solutions are relevant and important. So uh, a lot of cool startups in the energy space as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, moving on, when, what are some common mistakes that early stage startups make when seeking funding? How can they avoid them? I think investor fit is really important where it's basically like, if you have a venture capitalist coming to you to invest, do you fit their vision? Do you, you know, are, are your visions aligned in terms of, hey, we want to grow really fast. We want to get to those next levels of funding. This is the aspiration is to grow really fast and keep raising capital. I think that uh, alignment in kind of the goals of the company and the goals of the VC is super important. Uh, WeFunder has a very unique vantage point in that we're democratizing access to startup investing. There's a lot of different companies. There's a lot of different flavors. You know, every time you talk to an angel group or a group of, you know, investors that are interested in this category, they have an investment thesis. They look for impact. They look for environment. They look for, you know, female founders. There's different flavors of like, where do I, where do I want to allocate the startup capital? Um, 
what types of companies. And I think WeFunder does a really good job of kind of opening the gates and saying like, there's a lot of options and you can kind of pick and choose based on your affinity where it might be, I just want to invest in AI and make a ton of money. You know, it's like there are companies like that on WeFunder. And then there might be companies where it's like, I want to support this cool brewery in Tennessee because I live in Tennessee and, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that either. So, uh, you know, <laughs> different, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Um, are you seeing though? So this, this you know, this landscape of, uh, the traditional IPO landscape, um, is also changing as well. There's like direct, direct listing. Um, there's also like SPACs. So are, how, sorry, we fund their fit within this changing, landscape you know how companies are choosing to raise funds um and then we'll go into you know how much funding to accept yeah so again if you were to look at those those stepping stones for founder generally we funder is at the earlier stage before founders get to institutional capital the nuance of how do you get how are we going the direct listing route are we going for an ipo are we going for an acquisition that's generally later on the early stage startup, again, higher risk, higher reward, they're raising at lower valuations and the upside is greater for investors. The earlier you get in, the higher your potential upside down the line. So there's kind of a risk reward uh, fluctuation. WeFunder focuses specifically on companies that are pre-Series A, so pre-institutional funding. A lot of times, once you get to institutional funding, there's no access. So yeah. it's very hard for normal people and people interested in investing in startups to be able to get in on those deals. So yeah. your opportunity to get into those deals is generally in that pre-Series A phase. And that's really where WeFunder we fund optimize. If you're investing in a startup, I think it's important to understand what is, the, what is the pathway for the founder to get to a liquidation for investors, whether that's direct listing, acquisition, or IPO. Um, and that's an important question to to ask if you're an investor looking at one of these companies where it's basically like, what is the goal and what is the roadmap? You know, from the founder's perspective, I want to make sure that's aligned with my expectations as an investor. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really fascinating. And if you really know the landscape, if you, if you have the right connections, um, you know, you can really do and you can raise capital for your investors, you know, do very well. Um, like I said, it's a very fascinating area. As we come to the end, how much, uh, uh, you know, I was always, always all under the impression that there's no, you know, more funding, the better, but actually there's early stage startups. They need to determine the right amount of funding to raise and what are the consequences of over or under raising? I don't think there's like broad strokes here. I think it's very individualistic in terms of like what makes sense for that company. The first question that founders should ask is, what are my what are my aspirations? And what is the goal? Because if you accept a million dollars from VCs, the expectations are that you're going to dump money into growth and you're going to grow very fast as a result. Um, that doesn't fit the roadmap or the philosophy or the framework for many startups, which again is where, you know, it's like, we're seeing in this current funding landscape, different alternative options come up where it's like, maybe it's not all about grow at all costs and like grow as quickly as possible. 
if you don't have product market fit, you can flame out and your company dies if you're not smart about how you allocate capital. And so I think that we're starting to see more sophisticated options kind of present themselves again for different types of founders, for different types of investors, trying to figure out how do how do how does the funding align with the vision? So a, another example in terms of the revenue-based financing, it might be my aspiration isn't to exit. I don't want to get acquired. This is my passion. This is something that I'm going to c- continue to do. The venture track where the only liquidation event is an exit doesn't make sense. Those companies can offer liquidity and uh, a return to investors based on the cash flows of the business. And, you know, it's like the way in which these deals are constructed are very individualized based on the aspirations of the founder and where they see their business in, in five years. If it's grow at all costs and exit, that's totally fine. But I don't know if that's the status quo. Mm. Yeah, really great question. Uh, or great uh, conversation. Uh, how can people contact you, follow you on social media, check out WeFund? Yeah, so on WeFunder.com, there's a lot of companies actively fundraising. You can go check out kind of like, what does this look like in practice through realized examples and real companies that are actively raising capital right now? Uh, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name's Justin Renfro, and uh, I'd be happy to connect. Yeah. And let's thank Justin for coming onto the show, talking about this, um, the VC landscape, a lot of factors and considerations, um, really enlightening. All of Justin's resources will be in the links and show notes. And uh, with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.